This is Timothy Gordon. Spring is nearly here, and accordingly, we're opening up two new sections of classes for the spring, church history and rules for retrogrades. Church history is a repeat course from the fall. It was so successful that many people could not get in and want to in the spring. Rules for retrogrades is a new course based on my book with my brother, Community Organizing from the Right. Go to timothyjgordon.com for information. Also at timothyjgordon.com, a pre-recorded Catholic Republic course on sale. What's up, parish orphans and retrogrades? Today, I bring with you a special legal show. Don't worry, we're not going to get too much into the P's and Q's. I'm very honored to bring before you not only my uh, personal attorney who helped me in a, another uh, kind of religious matter, but a very, very important man, Paul Jonah, who was not only a special counsel to the Thomas More Society, but he's partner at Lamandry and Jonah there in Southern California and has recently won all you Californians out there who are getting to go to mass back indoors at SCOTUS at the Supreme Court on the papers. Welcome, uh, Paul. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Tim. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's amazing. All the phone time that I've spent with you, now I'm actually Zooming, and we've only had a couple Zoom calls, so it's, it's nice to see you. It's great to see you. Yeah, I know. It's interesting times we live in, but yeah, it's great to which see is you. A, which is a curse, yeah. And that's a sharp, sharp, accursedly sharp suit you've got there. Appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. Looks like a winner. So you guys uh, recently had this monumental victory, and I just want Californians out there to know who to thank. I mean, thank God in the first place, you know, the, the, the final, final and efficient cause of all this stuff. But, but formally speaking, they have uh, Lamandry and Jonah to thank. The, the case is, um, I've been kind of reading up on it all day. The case is an interesting one on the First Amendment. I was going to call this show, God Bless the First Amendment. Do you want to just talk about the nature of this case, South Bay United Pentecostal Church? versus Newsom, the enemy of enemies. Right. Yeah, sure. Thanks. So uh, as you said, you know, all glory to God. We uh, basically, we were brought on to take, to, to represent Bishop Hodges, a, a Pentecostal pastor um, back in May of, of 2020, when, when a lot less was known about the virus, but we knew back then, you know, that the government had no place telling people that they can't go inside a church. And so, at first, he, he basically complied with the directives and he shut down services for a, for a little while. And then he said, enough is enough. We flattened the curve. You can't just keep churches shut down indefinitely. So he filed a lawsuit in the Southern District of California. Uh, the, the case was assigned to Judge Cynthia Bashant, who was appointed by President Obama, and she denied the request for an injunction. We immediately appealed that back then to the Ninth Circuit it resulted in a two-to-one ruling, also uh, affirming Judge Bashant, and we had a very, uh, you know, an 18-page dissent by a Trump appointee, with basically saying he would have granted the injunction. Then we went really quickly back in May to the U.S. Supreme Court, and back then it was the first ruling from SCOTUS on this issue, and it resulted in a five-to-four opinion, where Justice Roberts sided with the liberal justices and um, and kept the restrictions in place back in May. I remember. Yeah, it was a terrible ruling. It was cited by lots of courts and it was clearly erroneous. So we kept on, you know, we kept on proceeding with the case in the district court. And um, we finally got, as you know, 
Justice Ginsburg passed away and was replaced by Justice Barrett, and that totally changed the equation. And there was a case out of New York that, are, that um, resulted in a win for churches in the Brooklyn Diocese case. It was five to four, this time with Justice Roberts still siding with the liberal wing, um, and but we had Justice Barrett. So it was a five to four ruling in favor of striking down these restrictions. And then we we basically went back up through the Ninth Circuit and uh, District Court, Ninth Circuit, Supreme Court, and finally got the restrictions in California struck down. This time it was six to three, and Justice Roberts actually finally came around on the issue, and uh, the indoor worship ban was struck down, but we still have lots of other work to do. So that's kind of a snapshot summary. Don't you have a decision you're expecting to come down the pike in the next two to three weeks, uh, another component of uh, the, the, the worship restrictions? So we are, uh, we're challenging the, the singing ban and we're challenging the occupancy caps. We're not expecting a decision in the next few weeks, but we are, the Supreme Court has accepted, uh, has indicated, well, we filed a petition for cert with the U.S. Supreme Court to take up the issue on the merits. So far, all they've done is rule on an emergency injunction request. So we expect to have a decision from the Supreme Court on that, whether they'll take up the, the case on the merits sometime in April. So other than that, though, no, we're, gonna, we're actually going to go through back to the district court, do some discovery, depose some of these health officers and, and government officials and try to, and, and, you know, try to get that singing ban uh, struck down and, and, and the occupancy caps. Because right now you're allowed to worship indoors, but it's still capped at 25%. Our position was, it should have been unrestricted just with, you know, social distancing and there shouldn't be any percentage limits right now. So that was, uh, that's still going to be litigated. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Paul Jonah, you know, we, we went to the, the same law school at USD there, right. and then you wound up being my attorney and then you end up being all of the good guys in California's attorney. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you something kind of, kind of ridiculous, not, not, not ridiculous in the sense that, um, there aren't like um, clown jokes coming forward or anything like that, but something I need not ask you in a sane world. There are actually critics online. You're a faithful Catholic. I'm a faithful Catholic. Lamandry and Jonah really specialize in faithful Catholic work. Would you mind speaking, Paul? I, I don't want you to laugh at me, but it's okay if you do. Okay, you ready? Would you speak to the goodness from a Catholic perspective of the First Amendment, can you believe that that we even have to say this? Yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, today I was reading about another law that there, you know, you might have read about the Equality Act, and basically it's going to eviscerate a lot of protections that uh, the First Amendment was designed to, uh, you know, basically American way of life. No, it's 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 insane. I mean, the the fact that we that the government even thinks that they have the power to to close down churches is just appalling. It should have it should really shock the conscience of, of everybody. I mean, our founders would wouldn't recognize this country today. I mean, the fact that the that the state and California was the only state that had a total ban on indoor worship, you know, but your your question more broadly about the goodness of the First Amendment, I mean, it's it's just foundational to everything that we believe in as Americans. And um, it's getting eroded uh, you know, more and more, and, and it's particularly being under a vicious attack right now with, with our with our new president. I mean, this new Equality Act I was just reading about is it, basically going to it's it's just terrible. So we we need, and that's kind of why I got involved in this work. I mean, you mentioned we went to law school around the same time. I think it was a little bit before you, but um, 
we were right around the same time. I, mean, I saw what was happening back then with Prop 8 and what was happening with, with good, you know, cancel culture, even back then, people getting, uh, you know, people can't even express or live out their faith or, or beliefs the way that they, uh, the, the way they should be able to. So I, I realized that there weren't enough people on our side that were, you know, that were joining this fight with the, the left was very organized, very militant. The, the lawyers uh, were willing to, you know, the, all the big law firms were willing to um, get behind these causes. And, and I was at a big law firm and I, you know, and I just realized I was talking to my pastor and I realized we need to, we need to resist this. We need to fight back and we need to protect the, these core foundational rights and, you know, religious liberty, the first amendment. And so, yeah, that's how I got par- paired up with Chuck Lamandry. We've been doing this for a while now and, and it's, I love it. Yeah, this 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 ain't his first rodeo. Now it's it's not your first rodeo either. But you guys have a number of really famous national Catholic religious liberty cases under the belt as W's as wins. And people, even if this is their first time seeing your face, they would recognize a lot of your work and and Chuck's as well. They know David Delight, and a lot of people know the Mount Soledad Cross case and don't associate it with you guys. You work real hard for the good guys. The reason I, to get back to just one quick point, and I know it's kind of a throwaway ridiculous point. Obviously, the First Amendment is good. Obviously, it protects religious liberty. There was a statement that I rejoined against Antonio Spadaro, who was the kind of the Pope's mouthpiece back in 2016, 2017. I, you don't hear from this guy anymore, but he said, in America, there's an ecumenism of hatred between right-wing Catholics like ourselves and right-wing Protestants. And I, I just, I laughed when I was reading this case for the first time a couple of days ago, because I thought that there it is, the ecumenism of, of hate, not hate at all, but just religious liberty. The First Amendment is... Um, a, a protector, a guarantor for faithful Catholics like yourself and myself, along with Pentecostals who were your, your clients in this case. And then you also, in, in an earlier iteration, which, um, which resulted in an injunction, I believe a temporary injunction, you worked with the SSPX. And then there are people that are fellow travelers like Chris Ferrara in New York, who, who worked with the Orthodox Jews. I think that was the Brooklyn case you referred to. So th- there it is. The ecumenism of hatred is Orthodox religious people working together. Sadly, the reason I had to bring up the question, is the First Amendment good from a Catholic perspective, is because many, many radical traditional Catholics who are still celebrating you know, the, 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 the victories in court that you guys earned, they don't quite understand when they say something like, error has no rights, that, well, all of us share and share alike the First Amendment right to be able to get into our houses of worship. And, and you've indicated that, but the first amendment's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's true. We worked with, uh, we had a case where Chris Ferreira was our co-counsel. It took the lead on behalf of an SSPX priest. And, you know, a lot of these cases, challenging restrictions were brought by Protestant pastors. And we've just noticed in all our experience working together is, is the way to, to really, it's, it's, you know, it's the only way you're going to really, um, prevail in the courts these days and and it's a collective effort um but yeah so yeah that's 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 good stuff now with regard to the biden the biden spearheaded legislation coming down the pike on behalf of 
transitionals. Um, what what difficulties do you foresee coming down the pike for the First Amendment there? I, I can think of lots offhand, but which specific oh, ones do you have in I mind? mean, it's, it's, it's endless. I mean, if you, I was looking, I was reading articles, it's going to re... I mean, this is probably the, the biggest assault on religious freedom that we've ever seen. I mean, if you read this bill, if you read what it's going to do, it's just, you know, there are so many scenarios. I mean, I'm just thinking in particular of one client. We just won a case for a, a local Catholic charity that simply wanted to open its doors to house uh, sex trafficked minors and care for them. And because the founder was a devout Catholic who was religious, the state of California picked on her and made her jump through every hoop you can imagine. And uh, they posed all these hypotheticals like, well, what if the girls want to get abortions? What if they want to get contraception? What if you have a male who thinks he's a female? And, and, and so they posed all these ridiculous hypotheticals. Ultimately, we got the case resolved and they got their license and they're now doing life-saving work with a lady, the equivalent of Mother Teresa. I mean, that's how saintly she is. They should be begging her to open a house like this. But she had to go through, through litigation and through a living hell just to get this house open. So people like her, their doors will never open. They will, uh, under this new regime that Biden is proposing, uh, they'll close down. People of faith will be forced to um, celebrate, you know, and, and express views that they completely, they know are contrary to, to truth. So, I mean, it's, it's very, very, it's a dark law that has implications in almost every sector of society. I mean, they're expanding um, the, these protections in ways that are completely, I mean, I, I barely scratched the surface in reading it. I, I kind of just started reading some articles recently, but it is, it is a very uh, dark and, and um, concerning piece of legislation. So, Yeah, the, the first month of the Biden administration, the, the reign of terror that I was expecting, uh, as per my expectations between November and January the 20th, have, have underwhelmed me to some extent until yesterday I woke up, I, I guess it was the beginning of this week, Monday, and just said, oh, there it is. Okay, now, now we get in earnest the real agenda, the, 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 the Camel or Harris agenda coming down the pike. This is what I expected. They waited till the second month, properly speaking, of the administration to, to start. I was really expecting you know, a full-scale assault right off the, the bat, but this is going to be really, really aggressive, you expect. Well, yeah. I mean, they've got control over the House, control over the Senate. Yeah, as you know, obviously they got the presidency. The only thing we have right now stopping them is the Supreme Court and some moderate Democrats in the Senate, and you know, which are going to be you know countered by some liberal Republicans. So uh, there's going to be a lot of litigation surrounding this this legislation if it passes. But um, yeah, what this is a this is a clear sign that they're you know they're going they're way overplaying their hand with this with uh with you know their agenda so i'm not sure if it's going to pass if it does it's going to create a lot more problems and then even the liberals think it's going to solve so yeah it's amazing with the the uh the transmission <laughs> transitional transgender agenda how much they have overplayed their hand arguably in i mean in 2012 you know we still use the word in the common parlance like cross-dresser or, or what have you, is of 2013 or 2014, I forget what it is, that word's just gone. Every, every uh, cross-dresser in the world evidently 
vanished or just changed into, you know, a transgender. So the, they've really, really worked quickly on that agenda, literally seven or so years, same seven years, basically, that Francis has been uh, ruling this pontificate. Whereas you, you talk about like the way that the Marxists typically operate, they let the cake bake a bit, you know, I mean, they, they stir up racial animus, which, you know, you, you, you helped me out with my, uh, I love all the races equally, of course, and, and you helped me out with my issue there with uh, Black Lives Matter and, and things like that. But that, that makes much more sense from a Marxist, Alinskyite perspective to really to, to extract every ounce of blood from the stone on the racial animus following the Democrat Party's slavery in America and the Democrat Party's segregation in America. They managed to you know, slip the subject of the sentence in the popular mind. That makes more sense. You know, they, they cooked that thing for, they cooked that goose for 150 years and they're, they're making it do the work quite effectively that they hope for. But with the, the other thing, the, the more recent seven year thing, it's much more surprising and never underestimate the American public. They'll always steal defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> and the left can be um, sadly, aggressive with with a really underwhelming response by the american republic the the center-right american republics we're told but i do hope that they've overplayed their hand on that and maybe the the newest legislative agenda is is gonna um you know give the lie to that i i don't know i i think they definitely overplayed their hand i mean if you look at what this what this law does is it basically you know it's there's no other way to describe it other than just like an all out assault on, on religious freedom. And I think that it's, it is a great blessing that we have, you know, justice Barrett on the court right now, because, um, you know, setting aside what people might think of other rulings she's already been involved in. She, she is a conservative. And I think that, you know, having that, it's going to be hard for, for Biden to, to pack the court. I don't, it'll be political suicide, I think. So, um, you know, having the Supreme Court with a, cons a solid cons conservative majority is really essential for these next few years. So you don't you don't think he'll try the court packing? I mean, he I think if he does, he'll fail. And I think if he succeeds, it'll really it'll you know, could it'll have very, very bad consequences. I don't think he will. But, you know, who knows? I'm not an expert in politics, but it seems to me that it would be political suicide. I, I don't know. Anything's possible. Yeah. Well, the last thing I want to do is get too inside baseball, but you're, I, I'm wondering, a simple yes or no will do or whatever. I, I have been concerned by some of uh, Barrett's rulings, some very early ones vis-a-vis -vis Trump, but also just her, her longstanding stance on um, like Jacobson jurisprudence and things like that. I, do, do you think that was getting overplayed by conservatives um, when she was being vetted? Or do you, do you think there's real concern or just, it's the perfectionist fallacy or how do you feel about uh, ACB yeah. as it Well, were? you know, I don't really know. I was kind of superficially following the election litigation. I don't really know the details. I, I can't speak to that. I can speak to the, you know, our case she ruled. I think her ruling was pretty solid and I don't think right. that um, that concerns me. I think that uh, her rulings in, you know, so far I don't, I'm not too concerned about her. I mean, yes, we would, we, we love justice Thomas. He's bold. Right. He, uh, you know, I wish we had a whole majority full of Justice Thomases, but um, 
I think I'm not too worried about her right now. I mean, that could change, but I think, I think for now I'm pretty, um, yeah, I, I, I'm still confident she's, she's a solid conservative. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I'm speaking with my attorney. I'm honored to do so on an episode of Rules for Retrogrades, Mr. Paul Jonah from Lamandry and Jonah LLP. And I, we're, we're having a great old time. Today, we're talking about the recent win at Supreme Court on behalf of all Californians of goodwill who wanted to go back to church indoors like a human being. And they, they, they got this victory in early February, and there are still components of that case that'll come out shortly. Today, if, if, um, if Paul's game, we'll, we'll, we'll take questions from anybody since it's a live stream. First, I want to remind everyone to go to timothyjgordon.com, where enrollment is now open for spring classes, which will begin in middle April. I also want part and parcel of my argument in Catholic Republic. I'm always for, you know, nullification, balkanization, uh, geographical centralizing of good people in the states, states' rights. I want to remind you guys, go to Real Estate for Life, and there you will talk to someone that's not only pro-life, pro-faith. 90% of them are probably Catholics give or take a few percent, but they're going to help you to relocate states. And their mission overlaps with mine in a special way because I'm all about what is a true res publica, a true republic. It means you, you live somewhere where even the strangers across town or across state basically believe in the same thing as you. So it makes sense to get someplace where you don't really have to check your back twice, your neighbor, even who you haven't talked to on the other end of the neighborhood believes in the same kinds of things you do, you know, tradition, family, property, these, these things, uh, which is a Catholic group I also support. So go to Real Estate for Life, go to timothyjgordon.com if you want to enroll in classes. In the fall and in the run-up to it, we're going to be unveiling a more comprehensive scheme of classes to help homeschoolers, homeschooling classes. So that, that's something to look forward to, but we got a whole spring and summer before us there. Talking to Paul Jonah here today, and I've been very thrilled to celebrate this and, and to give to the people of, of California a face for one of the victors. I know, Paul, you're a very humble dude, but I want people to get acclimated in the coming fights ahead, which will be religious in nature. They were informational the last two decades. There'll be religious fights, legal fights, and in places like California, for my, my good conservative friends, retrogrades and parish orphans out there who don't or aren't afforded the opportunity to move states, they need to know about the general kind of work, pro-Catholic work, that um, the winners, the pros like you and Chuck do at Lamandry and Jonah. So I just wanted to give you a chance to talk in general about what kind of work you do. Your vocation there, you, you, you talk about it vocationally in a non-sacramental sense. And tell us, tell us about Lamandry and Jonah. I, I really want good Catholics out there to know about you guys. Sure. I, yeah, I appreciate it. So, so Chuck Lamandry, he's, he's a veteran trial lawyer. He's been, you know, he, he's been in practice since 1983. And uh, he started off as a, well, in big firms. And then he eventually started his own practice. So he focused mostly on trial level work. He's, he's probably handled 60 jury trials. Um, he did, he got involved in the, in the pro bono religious liberty work with the Mount Soledad cross case that you mentioned. And, um, 
And he also, and, and after 28 years of litigation, that cross still stands in Mount Soledad in La Jolla. It's a beautiful cross. Went all the way up to the Supreme Court. It was his first Supreme Court victory. Uh, he also represented four Christian firefighters who were ordered to participate in a gay pride parade over their objection, and even though they weren't really needed at the parade. And that actually went to a jury trial, and, and he got tried twice, and, and Chuck prevailed and got attorney's fees from the city after after he beat them and um so i heard about him i was i was in big firms at the time and um like i said earlier i decided to make the switch and, and work with him and team up and we've grown the firm it's, we've got 10 attorneys now we do a lot of the work with the uh thomas moore society as their special counsel now but we have a, we have a our, we have a litigation practice that handles general litigation but we also do a lot of this important constitutional work we you mentioned uh david delighton we also represent a number uh, we've got a number of active cases right now um, defending religious liberty and we're doing it here in Southern California uh, with the Thomas More Society and um, yeah I mean that's a kind of a snapshot but basically we, we as I said we have 10 lawyers here and um, you know there's no shortage of work so we're it's all it is a vocation for us we're all um, committed to, to the mission and to um, you know fighting this important fight you you have like as many kids as I do, don't you, Paul? You have a I've lot got, of kids. Yeah, I've got six kids, and I was listening to you about homeschooling. Yeah, we homeschool as well, and um, there's a beautiful Catholic homeschool group in San Diego. So it's it's you know talking about relocating states. I mean, if it wasn't for, I do feel like I'm called to be here in California, but uh, it's definitely not the friendliest place. But when you we we do have a beautiful Catholic community in in Southern California, in San Diego in particular, and some great uh, some great parishes so yeah yeah i got six little guys the the oldest is 11 and the youngest is one and a half yeah they're, they're almost the exact ages of my uh six little guys so that's my mine are one and a half to to 12 so we, we've wow. talked about that before i one thing that's become relevant or it will be becoming relevant in march in a good way is the return to church the many bishops my bishop in Mississippi here, my new bishop, is not known for being particularly like a conservative firebrand or anything like that. And he is ending the, the no Sunday obligation dispensation in late March, which is good before Easter. And it, it should be over, should have been over a lot longer ago. This will restore some kinds of pressure, however, namely, there is a question in this. If we're going to be going to Mass Every Sunday, again, I've kind of been using it to, I just go as often as I can to a nearby Latin mass and nearby is, you know, an hour, 15, hour and a half. So if we're going to be, you know, back at mass every single Sunday, which is a good thing, I still have a lingering doubt that these bishops who aren't super based and red pilled, I don't think mine is particularly, will be cool about masks the beer bug cure, as we're calling it, you know, things like forced injections, or we're trying to watch our, our transcript uh, hot words here, but forced injections of the beer bug cure, the Corona beer, um, and, you know, just masks, social distancing, nonsense like that. So I think people are going to be wondering, is there a legal case in and I'm not sure because it wouldn't be a first protect first amendment protection because the government wouldn't be the defendant. So 
what will be the case if everyone's um, having to return to mass, which is a good thing. Again, I'm going to get people in the comments whining about the fact that I said having to, but the obligation to return to mass will thankfully, happily be restored. And yet all the bishops will not have sanity restored to them, uh, concomitant to that other restoration. You see what I'm saying, Paul? So will there be a legal case, people against their bishops, if they're trying to enforce ridiculous stipulations to get indoors to mass? Well, I think a lot of these bishops are just following the, the county and state health guidance and the and so i think you would still have litigation with the state um concerning whether these are necessary at this point and we do have cases challenging the mask mandates challenging social distancing uh, protocols uh you know at some point you know I, this has to end i mean with the with the virus fading um you know it is a it is a constitutional issue forcing people to wear masks at at, at church when it's not you know when there's no scientific or legitimate scientific evidence suggesting it's necessary. I don't think it's going to be uh, an issue with the bishops. I think once the states lift their guidance and their requirements, I think the bishops, yeah, I guess I suppose some might still impose those requirements, but I think a lot of them will follow the lead of these, of these uh, state health officer, you know, um, edicts and uh, hopefully modify their guidance after, um, you know, after the states modify the guidance. So, no, so to answer your question, we do have cases challenging that. The the case that you mentioned on behalf of the SSPX priest, Father Burfitt, we, you know, that's a case where we're challenging the mask mandate and the social distancing protocols in California. Um, and we're, we're going to take depositions of, uh, of the health officers and the key uh, experts that the state is relying on to sort of poke holes in all their theories that, that, you know, suggest that all this is necessary. Um, but it will take time. It seems like the Supreme Court is, has been pretty uh, conservative on the issue of, you know, social distancing and, and capacity restrictions. And it's not going to be until we get some more evidence in these cases that we're really going to be able to, to, you know, make significant progress on challenging those. But yes, the answer to your question is we are challenging them. We have another question. Somebody's asking, why wouldn't this case normally be adjudicated by the state of California and the state Supreme Court? Why is everything in D.C.? That's a good question. So we, uh, with the case involving South Bay United Pentecostal Church, we filed it in federal court. And um, that's basically, it got adjudicated by a district court in San Diego, a federal court. Then the the only court you could really appeal to from there is the Ninth Circuit, which is a federal appellate court. And then, you know, your recourse after that is the U.S. Supreme Court. We did file a case on behalf of, as I mentioned, Father Trevor Burfitt in state court that we actually got an injunction before the South Bay case. We got an injunction on behalf of his five churches in California state court. They appealed that to the California court of appeal. So that could conceivably go up to the California Supreme court. But, but uh, really though, the, um, the U S Supreme court has kind of spoken on this issue in California. So we think that kind of resolves it for now. Yeah. I, I would, I would put it to you oppositely. Why, why go to state, court, state Supreme Court, when you have the niceties and the comforts of the federal question built in, giving you the ability yeah. to jump tracks. So so back then, when we filed the Father Burfitt case, there was no, you know, the federal, the state of the law and the federal system wasn't good. It was, uh, we had that bad win, that bad ruling from just, uh, from our case earlier in May. Right. So we wanted, to, we wanted to go up the state courts and try different strategies. So 
and it worked. We actually got a, a significant victory in state court. So it was just it was just legal strategy. I mean, our, our default, our initial, uh, you know, plan was stay in federal court, which is what we started with. But, um, you know, we're just always creative and thinking of new ways to uh, to get good wins for our clients. And he was the only he was the only priest with uh, churches open for many for a, quite a bit of time. So, yeah, it worked out well for him. We have another question. Um, are you concerned at all about the ongoing expansion of the police power? Hmm. Yeah, well, we're concerned, like I said earlier, we're very concerned that the state, and particularly California, and Governor Newsom, that we're concerned that they think that this virus gives them the right to, well, I mean, all kinds of different things. But what was most appalling to us was that they, they, they gave them the right to shut down churches statewide. I mean, literally, in the beginning of the pandemic, there was not even a provision for outdoor worship. They just shut, they just said, you know, they basically just shut down churches. And people for many weeks, I myself included, could not step foot in a church. And um, then there was a point in time where they said you can have church in parking lots. I mean, basically, and we went to mass many times in, in literally in a parking lot. And you couldn't have one person in a church. I mean, whereas, you know, you have all these establishments with hundreds of people, thousands of people in close proximity, shopping, and you could have the, and I, I personally witnessed a church with its gift shop open where people could go inside the gift shop, but the church was taped off. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. And uh, so, yeah, it was appalling and it's, and it's, it should never happen again in history. And what are they going to do when we have a virus with like, with real mortality rates? I mean, I don't want to downplay this virus. It is, it is a, it's a serious virus and, and people are affected by it, but the mortality rate is, is a fraction of a, you know, I don't know the rate right now. It's very, very low. Thank God. What are they going to do when we have a virus with a very substantial mortality rate? Are they going to just shut everything down? I mean, so, right. so you, yeah, it was a big concern. And that's why we got involved in this litigation very fast. And um, I'm glad the Supreme Court has settled this issue for now. But yeah, there's a lot more work to do to make sure this never happens again. Yeah, the church, Paul, the church survived, outlasted the bubonic plague, which killed one out of three Europeans or something like that. And was still, there were some, some quarantines of the sick, which, which make a lot of sense, but you know, we're going to survive this and we're going to survive with the lingering somewhat haunting question that you just asked, what the heck are the bishops going to do? I know you probably want to stay out of taking on the bishops. What are they going to do if we have a virus that heaven forfend threatens numbers anywhere a little bit even closer to those of the bubonic plague. I mean, we got to get to church. We got to get the sacraments, right? And thank goodness Californians now can do this in much more humane conditions, i.e. indoors, because of Lamandry and Jonah LLP. But I mean, what, what's, what are we expecting? Give us, give us, I'll give you the last comment. What are we expecting to come down the pike? First Amendment jurisprudence being where it is, you know, not to get too inside baseball, but it is weakened compared to, you know, 1791 First Amendment jurisprudence. What are we to expect over the next four years? Should we be hopeful? Should we all ever be hopeful? But I mean, in terms of jurisprudence and our religious rights, to, to take us out on, give us something to be happy about, aside from your major win. Well, I mean, I really go back to what I said at the beginning, which is, 
and it's and maybe it's not it doesn't sound significant to a lot of people but i think it's very significant that we have a conservative majority on the supreme court so we're going to see all kinds of terrible legislation coming out of this new administration we're going to see uh governors all over the place using COVID as a justification to keep on suppressing um our, our you know constitutional rights and our freedoms but i do think the fact that we have a solid majority in the supreme court really should give us some safety for the next couple of years and hopefully we can take back control over the Senate after, uh, you know, the, in the next election cycle. But um, I think that's a great reason to be hopeful. I really do truly mean that. And um, in the meantime, I, you know, I don't know where every bishop stands on these issues. I know that I hope that a lot of bishops are making decisions early on based on what, uh, based on, you know, un the uncertainty of the virus. I, I really hope that now that we have a lot more data um, that they make decisions based on the data that, that, you know, that is available. And, um, you know, I, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, but I also think, and, and some faithful priests have told me this, and I'm sure they've told you, it's important for the lay faithful to, to make their voices heard. It's important for us to communicate to our bishops that, you know, this, this isn't right. I mean, that we don't, that, you know, that there is a problem when you're being deprived of the sacraments and no state has the right to tell us, we can't go inside our church and receive the sacraments. Right. Amen. Beautifully put. Thank God for you, brother. And, and, and give, give Chuck a high five hand slap for me too. I, I, I just, I really, I really do thank God for you guys um, in all literality. And I think all the, the Californians now should as well. I appreciate your time today, Paul. I appreciate everything you've done for me and for California and the country. Would you give, Lamandri and Jonah's uh, call information there for any Californians who are feeling harangued in terms of their First Amendment, God-given rights as Catholics. Sure, yes. And to reiterate, we do a lot of this work with the Thomas More Society. So check out their website, Thomas More Society. I just Google them. I think it's thomasmoresociety.org. Our website is lamandri.com, L-I-M-A-N-D-R-I.com. And uh, we're happy to, 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 to look at any potential matter. And, and Tim, thank you for the great work you're doing. Really, we really are amazed and, and grateful. So thank you. Thanks, Paul. Look, God bless you guys and uh, have a great day. Parish orphans and retrogrades out there, stay ever faithful. You now get to go back to church indoors like a human being in, in California. God bless you guys. Deus Volt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among the women, blessed If you like this video and my other work, please consider supporting me on Patreon page or at timothyjgordon.com.